Jesus, we come to you and we praise you. We thank you that we can be here today. We absolutely uh, know that, um, that your word in Psalm 105 is our hope. Your word is our hope. And so we wait for the Lord. We wait expectantly for you. Because your word is our hope. And so, Lord, that's, that's what we want in the next hour. Lord, we, we want to hear you. We want to hear from you. We want to see your face. We want to be changed before you. We want to walk with a faith that just absolutely rattles this world, Lord. Uh, we want to let you know that we're desperate for you. And uh, we want to live above the line. We want to live... And Holy Spirit power, uh, because you are our power. Uh, we want to be able to look at that mountain and say, move, and it will move because of your faith that is in us. And so it just grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. And so, Lord, it is impossible to please you unless we have faith. And so, Jesus, I ask that uh, we would walk like Daniel with a faith that uh, was insurmountable, Lord, or like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I ask, Lord, that you would bring us to that point where where we uh, would deny ourselves daily and in all the circumstances that uh, bombard us, Lord, that we would have that shield of faith that you promised, God, in Ephesians. Shield of faith that wields itself around, Lord, as we wield it around, Lord, and all the darts uh, that that miss or or that that try to go around that breastplate of righteousness, Lord, that that they will fizzle out. That our shield of faith won't allow them to come through. And so, Lord, I ask for those that are um, perhaps grieving today, or or somehow have lost the joy of their salvation. Uh, that you would restore to them that joy. You'd restore to them that joy of their salvation, the joy of, of just who you are, even in the hardships, even in the, in the day-to-day fallen world stuff, Lord. And so thank you that, um, that you are in us. Thank you that uh, we live uh, in, in the power of that, that Holy Spirit, you are in, a, in attack mode in and through us, Lord. So we are not under attack. Help us not to react, but to act rightly. Because you have so gone before us. Lord, help us to remember that we are the righteousness of God. Oof. We are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Help us just steep in that. Because of Christ, we are the righteousness of God. Not that we have to become, not that we have to do anything, but because of Christ in us, we are the righteousness of God. And so we can walk rightly with you and be called your friend and be about kingdom purposes, Lord. And so Jesus, just rattle us today. Convict us. Just uh, encourage us. Allow us to uh, hear your voice. Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd speak in and through me, but, but God, you take it in specific to their hearts and meet them where they need to be. And take them where they need to go with you. Lord, let them know how loved they are by you and how loved they are by us, Lord. 
Thank you for uh, Karina being here, Lord, in newlywed, how cool that is, Lord. I thank you uh, for her um, and for Angela, Lord. I thank you for Josh. I thank you for that church. It's a light on a hill, Lord God. I praise you. I ask that uh, she would feel so welcomed and loved, Lord. And may you just uh, have your way and speak in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on, ladies. Amen? Amen. Amen. Make room for Linda Vranny. We got guac. We got guac and Linda Vranny. That's excellent. That's that's double, double. Excellent. All right. All right, ladies. um, Last week I ended with asking you about the fiery... The fiery furnace, remember? Do you guys remember this? Fiery furnace. There is a fiery furnace that, you, you know, you are either in, coming into, or coming out of. Okay? Fiery furnace. And then I asked you, you know, how did you deal with that in the past? Okay? Then I asked you, how are you going to deal with it from now on? And then the last question was, what, Lord, am I supposed to learn through this? What am I supposed to learn through this? Now, this isn't about guilt. You know, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. It's not about guilt. Oh, Margo, I forgot. Oh, let me see. Oh, this. Okay. Not a problem. This isn't about guilt. But for those of you, you know, who, who uh, were able to walk through that, uh, you know, you don't need to tell me your fiery furnace. You don't need to tell me anything like that. But, but what was God speaking to you in that? Just one or two of you. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's victory. That is victory. You yield quicker. Right? Things don't rattle you as much because you yield quicker, right? Because you let him do it. You know, confession is, you know, con- confession is is you taking, you know, your stuff to the garbage and repentance is letting the garbage go to the street, right? And letting God take it away. Okay? That's yielding right away, okay, and, and not having to be rattled. Thanks, sweetie. Margie. Yep. When you least expect it. Yeah. Right. So well, when look look what happens when Jesus was going to go into his teaching ministry, right? And and then he's tempted. And if you remember, the Holy Spirit led him to that place where he was tempted by Satan. Okay, are you getting this? That he was allowed that. And when I when I see that, he could have done a God thing in a heartbeat, couldn't he? I mean, he could have to get rid of all Satan and temptation of it. He could because he's all God. He could have done something like this quick as a God thing, but he didn't. He walked through it as all human. His human, right? He allowed that, and he walked through it as all human. And what did he use to scripture? It is written. It is written. It is written. In other words, he walked through it to show us you can do this. All you need to do is have the word, the word, the word, the word, the word, and the word dispels him. Right? And then the garment of grace is over you. The spirit of heaviness is off you, right? Amen. 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 Nicole. It kind of goes off like the question I asked you last week. Um, what I've been going through is that I guess I've, I have found some freedom in my sadness about Gabriel's disease. And that, you know, from the point that it was 18 years, I mean, really, through those 18 years, they were being worked on. I mean, it's not that I don't have the account of it. But I feel like, you know, I've only been in four years of this battle, you know. And um, I just feel like the four years, you know, as they walked 18 years, they were able to stand over the fire pit and go, well, my God's going to save me. And I feel like that God is really, like, I feel like I'm okay, that I'm okay with being sad and that I'm going to get afraid, but I still need to keep my eye on him. And that if i got to stand over the fire pit with my son and let him go, say, okay, Lord, you can take them. I need to have open hands 
that my if my son dies. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's huge. That's huge. That's that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faith. Right? And I love what Val said last week, remember? Daniel wasn't there. Right? He was mysteriously not there. He was head of the courts, but Daniel wasn't there. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were always looking to their tangible Yahweh God, right? Because Daniel had gone before him. And meanwhile, there they are, right? Just making that stand, right? Just between Yahweh God and, and them, right? Just just standing, just absolutely standing. And, and remember, God could have intervened. He could have intervened before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went in the fire. Do you realize that? I mean, he could have intervened, just like he could have intervened before Lazarus was dead. Right? But but he wanted to have Lazarus dead Lazarus dead so that he could what? Show his glory. That he could raise a dead man. Right? And therefore more people would look to him, right? See the deity in Jesus. I'm God. This is this. Follow me. Right? And, and this is so he, he wants the glory. He wants the glory, right? And so and so the same thing is with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He could have gone before and said, Oh, look at they stood for me and everything. That rocks, it absolutely rocks. You know what? No way. They're not going to be thrown in there. But he didn't. He didn't. And you guys, that's what happens. That's why I ask you those questions. Because guess what? He might let you walk through the fire. He might let you be in the fire. But remember, he's right there with you. He's right there. And remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's never written that they could see that Jesus was right there. Nebuchadnezzar could see because his glory was showing. You bet he wanted to see. And you can bet those thousands of people who came to see, you know, the, in the Dura Plain and the big obelisk and that 90-foot thing made into, you know, the, the idol with no hands and isn't alive and isn't Yahweh God and everything. And meanwhile, the orchestra's playing and everything. And, and all of a sudden, their attention goes, whoom, to the fiery furnace. And who's in the fiery furnace? Jesus Christ himself. Oh, glory. Glory. That's why he walked through the fiery furnace. So they can see Jesus all over you. You might not be able to see him. But you know he's there. But other people see him. That's why he allows you to walk through it. So people see Jesus in you. So you can show them the way to the truth and the life through Jesus Christ. Angela. Angela. Amen. Amen. How many times did you say that one, sweetie? Huh? Amen. Amen. Anybody else want to share? Excellent sharing. Actually, excellent interaction. Anybody else? Yes, sweetheart. I was just going to say that in the darkest times in my life, I I felt that if I was close to the Bible and claimed God's promise to me, that got me through because He. He, he sticks to what he says. He does. What he promises, he does. He does. And he has done that. So um, that, to me, was so helpful. Amen. The scripture and his promise. His promises are true. They cannot not be true, right? Because he's the, you know, he's the author of truth. He, Jesus is the truth, okay? It's in the, in the person of who he is. This is God's word. He spoke it, and it's so, just like creation, okay? All of creation just absolutely sings him, just praises him, just absolutely 
proclaims him. And this is his spoken word, right? And then I've been in Psalm 105 where it's, well, I will wait for the Lord. I will wait for the Lord. I will wait expectantly for the Lord. And that, you know how the, those promises just ring to me because, because my hope is in his word. Okay, that's why you wait expectantly. Because it's not the hope where you're like, oh man, I sure hope we, you know this line goes on. Or wish it's not that your hope is sure because it's based on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and what He's done. Okay, so it, th- that hope is a for sure thing. Okay, and so when you wait expectantly for Him, right? It's like my dogs. Thank you, sweetie. It's like my dog. Uh, my other dog is not here anymore, but it's like my my dog, right? When she knows you want to go for a walk, and she she waits expectantly. She knows that when I get my shoes on, when I come down from upstairs, this this. She is just at the ready, at the ready, it, because she knows I'm going to take her for a walk. That's exactly what it's like. She doesn't know the exact time. She doesn't know exactly where we're going to go, but she does know that I'm going to do that. Okay, and that's exactly with God. He knows his time. He knows his way. He knows the best place he's going to take you. And you hold on to his hand, and he's never going to take you where it isn't safe, where it isn't wonderful, where it isn't where you're becoming conformed to the likeness of his son, right? And others can see his glory. It's a good thing. And where he's not been before you. Exactly. Exactly. And he's always has gone before you. Always. Anybody else? Yes, sweetie. No, there is no grace in tomorrow. There's no grace in tomorrow. Absolutely. You have enough light for the step that you're on. That's it, right? And then the next step that you're on, right? Just like we learned at retreat, you overcome when? Now. You overcome? Now. You overcome? Now, right? Because take heart, I've overcome the world, right? Because his grace is sufficient, right? His grace is sufficient. And I want to add one more thing. I, it just came to mind, so I'm going to share <clears throat> All week long, I kept hearing your voice in my mind <laughs> saying, just do the next right thing. And that has helped. It's just, sometimes you just need that constant, simple word. And God used your mouth. That's his mouth. That's good. That's good. You know why? Because I always say it to me. It's like, Lord, I just want to do the next right thing. Just the next right thing. Because when you just do the next right thing, you're right smack dab in the middle of his will. Right smack dab. That, I mean, Say again. When you're feeling ditzy, yep. Do the next right. Thing. That's all it is. Do the next right thing. Just the next right thing. Amen. Because, because, ladies, it, you know, at the end of chapter three uh, in in Daniel, remember, deliverance is impressive. Remember, deliverance is impressive to both the godly and the godly, ungodly. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were delivered in the fire, they could see that they're walking around. What was the only thing that was burned off? What burned off? The chains, the bonds. The only thing that burned off, nothing touched them. Do you remember they were wrapped up by the soldiers? Remember, ooh, we're going to wrap them all up, right? And, and throw them in. And meanwhile, the soldiers, poof, they're dead, right? Because they upped it seven times. And, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all tied up little Hebrew guys, just ee, fell in the fire, right? I mean, I just love that. Really? Wow, Lord. I mean, you know, and, and then meanwhile, they get up. The bonds are off of them. Right? Because they're burned away. That's what a purifying fire does. Right? That's what a purifying fire does. It burns away your chains. Right? Jesus breaks every chain. Remember at retreat? There's power in the name of Jesus. Breaks every chain. Right? And so you, you're standing there in the middle of the fire and you're delivered in the fire. And then you're delivered out of the fire. Okay? Either way you're delivered. And deliverance, deliverance is impressive. 
to anybody. To the godly watching, to the ungodly watching, it's impressive. So the ungodly, the thousands that bow down to uh, the idol, okay, are now, it says, looking over here, the magistrates, the governors, all the big shots and everything that are there, okay, they're now looking at God's glory. And I am sure a revival broke out. I am sure of it. Because deliverance is impressive. They came for this reason. Wham! He shows his glory. See, that's what happens in your life. But that's what happens in your life. You're walking along, walking along. Whoa, didn't expect this fire. Didn't, whoa, didn't expect this fire. Okay. Uh, whoa, didn't expect this. Okay. But now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Oh, poor pitiful me. Oh, I'm in the fire. What are you going to do? You look to him. You look to him. You don't stop. Now you purpose in your heart, right? You've already purposed in your heart. You have non-negotiable face-to-face time. You're in prayer. You're, you know, you're with each other. You're in the body of Christ. All those gifts that he's given you, and as you continue to purpose in your heart, guess what? You're being delivered in the fire, just like you are right now with your husband, right? Grace for the day. Grace for the moment. Just that grace. And you absolutely are delivered. Everybody watches you. And then you're delivered out of it. Either way, you're delivered. And revival breaks out around you. You may not know until you're in heaven, but revival will break out around you because people are watching you. And are you leading them to Jesus or are you leading them away from Jesus? Because how is your faith going to be faith and stronger unless it's what? It says in the Word of God. Test it. Let's just test it. I don't know about you, but I'm not always going, hey, Jesus, test my faith. Yeah, I want to be tested, man. I think it'd be great. Why don't you just test my faith a little bit more, Lord? I just think that'd be great. Do you go around saying that? No, you don't. But guess what? Unless your faith is tested, it's not going to be found out to be what? Exactly. Right? And, and faith without works is what? Dead. Okay, and so he continues to do that. He continues to do that. He continues to do that. All right? Because he loves you. Because he wants to use you. Because you're a friend of God. Because when his eyes go to and fro the earth looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him, he goes, boom! There's Deb. I'm going to use her. But you know what? I'm going to have to purify her just a little bit. And he is. <laughs> Not that I want it. Praise you Jesus, right? Yeah. I know. But, but there he is. Right there in the fire with you. And everybody else can see the chains burn away from you. The bonds burn away from you. Everybody else can see that. And you might not know he's right there, but he is always right there. Right? Armies. Armies. Right? Angels of armies around you. Right? Before you, behind you, beside you, the God of angel armies is always by your side. That's how you walk. That's how you walk. And so... That's how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walk. And then therefore, at the end of uh, Daniel 3, if you open up to Daniel 3, what happens is, is that he says, um, Whoa! I see four men loose in the midst of this fire. Okay, they're free. The fire only burnt the ropes that tied them. And now I'm going to say... You know, for them to come on out because uh, servants of the Most High God, 26 and 27, you know, come out and come here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. The satraps, here it is, satraps, ministers, governors, kings, counselors, gathered together and they what? They saw with their own eyes, they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. No power. The fire had no power. When God does unprecedented miracles continually in your life to purify you, guess what? That fire has no power over you. Are you following me? That fire that is purifying you, that God has allowed in your life, has no power 
unless you let it. Unless you let it. Unless you start looking around like Peter did when he's walking on the water and freaking out at the circumstances. That fire had no power over them. And that fire has no power over you, over me. We walk in the midst knowing that Jesus has already made our paths straight. He's made our paths straight. We are safe right there in that fire. The hair of their head was not singed, nor their garments affected, and the smell of Fort Wilderness was not on them. (laughs) That's in the message. (laughs) That's in the message. All right. All right, so even before they're out of the furnace... Nebuchadnezzar yells, you know, that the servants of the Most High God. Okay, so there's this complete miracle. His glory is being seen. Remember, he's the one who told all these people to bow down before. And now he's like, whoa, servants of the Most High God. Whoa, what happened to King Nebi? Right? He's come over here. It's been years to, you know, and, and lots of money and all the gold and everything. And to bring the orchestra together and everything. And meanwhile, God's got another plan. Don't you love that? God just interrupts things, doesn't he? He just crashes into stuff. He goes, watch me work. Watch me work. Watch who I I am. Watch what I do. That's why we're supposed to watch and pray. Remember he says that? Watch and pray. You know why? Because he's at work. We're supposed to join him. He's at work all around you. We're supposed to join him. To watch and pray. And so these men on, on whose bodies had no power, okay? The trial had no power over these men because they were thoroughly submitted to the power and the will of God. They were just doing the next right thing. That's all they were doing. They're followers of the Lord. Just do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. Do you think they were scared for a bit? Oh, yeah. But you still do the next right thing. You still do the next right thing. You know he goes before you, right? Because he says, take heart. John 16, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world, okay? So the smell of fire wasn't on him, and that is a complete, absolute deliverance, okay? Now, in the aftermath of it, Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges the greatness of God of the three Hebrews, and he says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Nebuchadnezzar gives glory to God, but he gives glory to whose God? Their God. Not who? Not his God. Not his God. Yet. Okay? Now, I want you to, I want you to hear me on this. Listen up. That's the key word. He hadn't given glory to their God yet. When you keep walking through the fire, when you keep showing that Jesus is the way, is the truth, is the life, when you keep pointing to the fact that that I am not looking away, I am walking in the power and the will of God, if this is what he has for me, so be it. I know that he already has conquered. Deliverance is absolutely impressive to the ungodly and godly. And when you keep walking and you keep walking and you keep walking, guess what? People are watching you and it might not be their God yet. But it will be. He will be. He will be. Right? Your family, your friends, your co-workers, people you've been praying for and this, this, this. He might not be their God yet. But he will be. Because you're pointing him. You're pointing him. You're showing in your life. You're showing in your life. You're showing through your faith. You're showing that he is real. You're showing that his promises are true. You're giving them hope. You're showing him every way. And just like Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4, which we're zooming into, okay? Absolutely, he is going to become... His own. God. 
the Most High God. In other words, you know, when, when Nebuchadnezzar said in Daniel 3.15, he says, who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Remember he said it sort of like snidely? Oh, really? Who is the God who's going to deliver you from my hands? Well, guess what? Now he knows. Now he knows, right? Right? Ever have anybody? Well, who is going to get you out of this? Well, who is this? In? This is who he is. Let me tell you who he is. You watch who he is. He's the God of my of me. He's the God of the Hebrews. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's the God who does miracles. He's the God who does unprecedented miracles. He's the God who was, is, and always will be. That's who he is. Right? Who is he? He's the God who sends a savior. Right? He sent an angel right in the midst of that fire. Right? He's a God who sends a Savior. He's a God of great power. He delivers me. He delivered those servants in and out of the fire. He's a God worthy of trust. You know why? He trusted in Him. He trusts you. Right? It's that mutual trust thing. It's a wonderful, wonderful relationship. He's a God worthy of full surrender. Of full surrender. Right? Frustrated the king's word. Do you remember that? That frustrated the king's word. That drove Nebuchadnezzar nuts. That he, they said, we will not serve the idol. We will not bow down. Deuteronomy 5, that they're, they didn't quote it, but that's where it comes from, that they're not going to bow down to anybody other than the Most High God. Right? And of course, because they purposed in their heart. And so that frustrated the king's heart, right? Because he is worthy, our God is worthy of full surrender. They didn't do partial surrender. They didn't do, remember all the ifs, or I could have, or the rationalization, or whatever. They didn't do that. They fully surrendered and they yielded their bodies. Right? That's who he is. And watch him work, right? He's the God who demands exclusive allegiance. I don't worship the Most High God and then worship other idols. It won't work. If you're standing one foot in Jesus and one foot in the world, ladies, it will not work. It will not work. You have to fully surrender. You have to fully yield, right? You have to God demands exclusive allegiance. Exclusive. He is worthy of that. He's the one who created you. You're made in his image. You're made to have a love relationship through him, through Jesus Christ who went to the cross for us, who made the way for us. And we're supposed to live in obedience and a grateful heart unto him with that. That's who he is. Right? And what happens is, you know, when when Nebuchadnezzar saw, oh wow that exclusive allegiance stuff that they should worship no other gods but me they didn't bow down they didn't make it a duo kind of situation because it doesn't work having one foot in the world and one foot in most high God it doesn't work it doesn't work and so he knew a lot about God Nebuchadnezzar did but he didn't know him personally right he knew a lot about him but he didn't know him personally okay and this whole account is powerful because what it's showing in Romans 12 verse 1 um, you know is, is the New Testament version of it Romans 12 verses 1 and 2 right over and over again we see Satan trying to make a believer bow down to this idealized image of what men and women should be right and Christians must resist this with everything they have and pursue God's ideal we must pursue him which is this and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing. Renewing of your mind. Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. You have to renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? The Word. This is God's mind. This is how you renew your mind. If you want to think like God, get in the Word. This is His, this is his, his absolute promises. This is His truth, which will set you free. 
That's what renews your mind, okay? Transformed by the renewing of mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, and remember then he made this decree, then he went back to his old self, made a decree and said, therefore, all you guys, you need to worship the Most High God, the God of the Hebrews, because if you don't, what am I going to do? Cut you to pieces. I'm going to, just so you know, I'm God, and I can say that if you don't worship the Most High God, then I, God Nebuchadnezzar, will have you cut to pieces and your homes burnt down to the ground or to rubble or whatever, okay? So in other words, you must, you know, he was so used to decreeing, right? This is his old self, okay? This is pride, this is pride, this is pride. Me, 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 you must do what I say, you must do this, right? And so he's been so used to everybody bowing down, you know, in uh, fear and trembling King Nebuchadnezzar, because if not, he would either do, you know, like extreme stuff to you, okay? So, you know, being that you sort of wanted to continue to live, you would just go along with it. All right, so, so, um, so, because he had, because he stated at the end, in the end of chapter 3, there is no other God, capital G, who can deliver like this, right? Because deliverance is impressive, right? Uh, what, what he is saying is, you know, he has seen God at work in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? He can see Most High God, and, okay? And that's an extremely effective testimony to him. That's how you walk. When people can see Jesus in you, Okay, and when you're walking through the fire, you're walking through your fiery trial, when they can see Jesus in you, that's an effective testimony. They want what you have. They want that peace that passes all understanding. Right? They want what you have, okay? And that's an extremely effective testimony to have him come to know personally Yahweh God. Because in 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, Paul says, expresses the same idea. You are our epistle written in our hearts. Known and read by all men, clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of your heart. Okay? We are those witnesses. Right, not on tablets of stone. Not on tablets of stone. Not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. On tablets of your flesh, which is your heart. Your mind, will, and emotions. Okay? So what that does is it sets up the stage for chapter 4. So open up to chapter 4, because now Nebuchadnezzar is going to have another dream. Okay, now Nebi um, is pretty restless. He must have been like the princess and the pea. You guys ever remember that play? She she have eighty thousand mattresses, right? Right. Once upon a mattress, I think. Right? Remember Carol Burnett did that years ago, right? And she like forty mattresses, a little tiny pea at the bottom, and she'd roll over, and then she'd roll over, and then she, and she couldn't sleep, and she couldn't sleep, and she couldn't sleep. Right? Well, this is Nebuchadnezzar. He's so bothered by his conscience. He's so bothered by himself. Okay, that that you know he's got. Everything at his disposal. He has everything he'd ever need. He has everybody that he will command. He's the head honcho, he thinks, right? And so he's continually telling everybody what to do, where to go, how to serve, you know, and, and has the best food, best place, best bed, best everything. And guess what? He can't sleep. <laughs> he can't sleep, right? You know why? Why can't he sleep? He doesn't. He doesn't acknowledge God. No, he doesn't acknowledge God. 
right? And you know what? God's a hound of heaven, isn't he? Goes after you, goes after you. He loved Nebuchadnezzar as much as he loves me. That's very hard to understand. Okay? Right? What happens is you go, oh, no, I'm not that bad. Right? Don't you, don't you do all the, oh, no, 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 no. Sin is sin. Sin is sin. It's just the consequences are different. Right? Just the consequences are different. And, and, and so he hasn't come to, to knowing, knowing God personally, passionately, and powerfully yet. Okay? But in this chapter, he does. Chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar. And remember, this is a, a monologue, basically. This chapter 4 is a monologue. Daniel speaks a little bit, okay? But it's a monologue. It's Nebuchadnezzar speaking, okay? And remember, um, chapters 1 through, I think it's 6, I believe, are written in Aramaic. That's the Babylonian common language, okay? And so Nebuchadnezzar is actually speaking like a monologue. And, and what's so cool about this, when I was studying this, Lord brought to my mind. Just think. This is the only chapter in the whole Word of God which is written by a new believer. Mm. Think about that! Mm. The only chapter in all of God's Word that's written by a new believer. (laughs) Talk about going from dark to light, huh? Listen to this. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the peoples, nations, and men of every language who live in all the world. I remember at that point, it was all the world. Okay? May you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Now you have to remember that he says this after he has experienced what we're going to walk through. Okay? Alright, but now it's to who? It's personal to me. Are you, are you reading this? It's not of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's not of the Hebrew guys. It's not of Daniel's God. It's to me. It's to me. Okay, that's the difference when he becomes your personal God. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous, he thought. I had a dream that made me afraid. <laughs> he's contented and prosperous as a dream. Notice he's contented and prosperous as long as he can be that big old fake and, and, and you know, iron ruler kind of thing. The second he lays down, not so much. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the goons of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. Okay, these are the same goons Right? Before. The, you know, all the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the magicians, all these guys. The same guys that used, you know, their own little wits and, and spiritual evil spirits to try to figure out stuff that they never could. Okay? When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream. Now remember, this time now he's telling them the dream. Okay? Before, he did not tell them the dream, and he expected them to tell the dream and interpret it. This time, he gave them one up. I'm going to tell you the dream, okay? I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Verse 8. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. Now, I find it odd that he wouldn't have gone to Daniel to begin with, right? Because because Daniel was dead on last time, okay? But, you know, you go back to what you know, don't you? That's what happens. You go back to what you know. You go back to, you know, to, to remember, I'm reading this. This is after, this is prior to what he just said up here, okay? So you go back to what you know. So he's hoping that, that his goons that he pays big money for would be able to tell him, at least he's telling the dream, at least try to interpret it for me. And I think what happens here, ladies, is that they're second-guessing themselves. All these guys that are at his disposal, I think they're second-guessing themselves because 
you know, the last time that we read about it, they were horrific. Okay? And now they know that Daniel and all these other guys, they're way better at it. So I think they're afraid even to tell him. Okay? So... Eight, finally Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream, interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it the beasts of the field found shelter and the birds of the air lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked, and there before me was a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, Cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times, that means years, pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. I want you ladies to underline verse 17 here if you mark in your Bible because that is the theme of all of Daniel. All of Daniel is to show God's sovereignty, is to show I'm ruler, I'm ruler over all, I will, you know, I will set up kings, I depose kings, nothing, you know, it begins and ends with me, I know the beginning and end, uh, you know, in other words, God is ruler, and he will continue to be ruler and do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, for his glory, period. Verse 19, uh, where am I, this just went, no, I'm sorry, verse 18, excuse me, this is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed. Remember, Daniel, through the Holy Spirit, is writing this, right? Okay, even though, even though um, he's speaking... Um, who's speaking here? <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. And so he, he knows himself as Daniel, and then he... He keeps going back and forth as Belteshazzar, okay? Also called Belteshazzar was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Now what I find amazing here is over the 20 years that, that Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel knew each other, Daniel looked at him through the eyes of God, compassionately. Right? He wants him to come to know him. He, he's, he's been praying with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for a long, long time to have Nebuchadnezzar come to know him, right? So he's able to look at him. And so when he knows this dream, he's scared now for him, right? He, and, and now Nebuchadnezzar says to him, Hey, uh, um, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. In other words, there's some compassion back and forth there. Do you see where they had become friends? 
Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meanings to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the field, and having nesting places in its branches of the birds of the air, you, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remained in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven years pass by for him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree the Most High King has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people and you will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven years will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge what? That heaven rules. Okay, this okay, this will happen but when heaven rules, when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins. What does that mean? It means to repent. Renounce, turn from your sins by doing what is right. right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. What is Daniel doing right here? Exactly. He's saying, hey, but if you repent now, you're not going to have to go through this. Okay? Renounce it. Acknowledge heaven. Acknowledge the Most High God is yours. Okay? All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 28. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, a whole year later, as the king was walking on the roof. Now remember, this is a whole year that God has given... Nebuchadnezzar to repent. A whole year. This is the long-suffering God. That's why you know that he comes after. How long did Noah build the ark for? 100 years. 100 years he's building that ark. 100 years he's pounding away. How many people got in that ark? Eight. Eight people, just his family. Thousands of people were watching him. Okay? He was a nutcase, they thought, right? And he's proclaiming God. He's proclaiming God. This is the way. This is the truth. This is the life. Get in this boat. This is right. Right? Long-suffering God. Hundred years allowed it. Long-suffering God with Nebuchadnezzar, even though, gives him a whole nother year. Whole nother year. Knows what this dream is, okay? And what happens? Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, listen to what he says, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence? By my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. Okay, now, how quickly, wrong answer, good job. How quickly we forget, right? When you're in the middle of something that's amazingly, uh uh-oh, right in your face, whoa. Okay, but then it goes on. Right? There's no, there's no um, discipline at that time. There's no you know, punishment or whatever. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it. I escaped this one. This is great. This is where he's at. The words in verse 31, the words were still on his lips when a voice, the words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. 
This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and you will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven years will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign, rules over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, now back to Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes. Where did he raise them now? Toward heaven. Aha! Toward heaven. And my sanity was restored. Do you notice that God immediately restores you? I mean, all I have to do is raise your head and acknowledge, right? I mean, that's it. You're, you just acknowledge. You acknowledge that you are king of kings, lord of lords, and I am not. Right? I mean, the second he did that, my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High God. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. Okay, are you realizing what has happened to him? He's gone from a state of incredible pride to humility. To humility, right? Whatever it takes for you to be humble, God will do it. God will do it. It's way easier to come and repent than to have to go through Him having to humble you. But He will, because He loves you. Because the only way you can come to Him is as a child. Right? The only way you can come to Him as a child is trusting and believing and to be humble. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify who? The king of heaven. Because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in what? Pride. He is able to what? Oh, no. You think those are the truer words that he's ever said in his whole life? After what he went through? After what he went through? This happened late during his reign. Okay? He reigned from 605 to 562 B.C. Okay, 605 to 562 B.C. Okay, and this was an eight-year span of events. Okay, sometime sometime between 583 and 563 B.C. that this happened. Okay, and so when you look at that chapter, he's gone from insomnia to insanity to insight. Insomnia to insanity to insight. Okay. Yes. Um, I see a parallel to the seven-year tribulation and the children of Israel because the three words you just said will come to know him and at the end they see him as he is. Absolutely. That it, it is a type, absolutely. There's so many parallel pictures of scripture that could be goosebumps and God bumps and Hopefully not lumps and bumps. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's a foreshadowing. That's a type. Absolutely, that is. A purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely having a purpose. Absolutely. I know. 
Yeah, not one, not two. I mean, you waited one. I mean, no, it was seven, purposely. It was three, four. It was. Seven. Yeah, no. And you know, when you think about how it comes from insomnia to insanity to to insight, you know, you don't have to take that path. You don't have to take that path. You can acknowledge him prior to having to be humble, right? You can you can acknowledge him without having to go through that. That's what he wants. He wants to show you the way and then you walk in the way. Okay? That's why he hates pride so much. He hates pride. It's seven things that he detests. He hates pride. Hates it. Because it keeps you from him. Because you think you're your own God. You think, I got this handled. He had everything that he'd ever want or ever needed. He thought. He thought. But it drove him nuts. It drove him nuts. He couldn't even sleep. Because he wouldn't acknowledge the one true God, right? And meanwhile, God wonderfully placed. You guys, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the other Hebrew guys, you know, they're thinking, whoa, we're uprooted from Jerusalem and this, this, this. Are you kidding me? That's purposeful. God placed them there purposefully just for Nebuchadnezzar. Just for him. That's what he does. He takes you, he uproots you, and he places you right in somebody's life. Gives you an opportunity. Gives an opportunity to be Jesus to that person. Amen. Praise you, Lord. Yeah, Jesus nailed it to the cross. Amen. So, yes, sweetheart. Uh, my husband is a, a car salesman and buyer for a company owned by Muslims. And he's been uh, working for them for 13 years. And he has never wanted to leave his job because he wants to see them come to Christ. And a few years ago, uh, his boss was out of town and or out of the country, he goes to Jordan and visits his family, and he uh, brings back money for the business. And while uh, his boss was gone, the brother was um, really creating a lot of havoc for my husband, and and he sounded threatening, and my husband was even wondering if he would lose his job. And my husband is like you. He just wears his face on his sleeve, and he's very open. And everyone, everywhere he goes, everyone knows he's a Christian, and he doesn't hide it. And uh, the brother made it very difficult for my husband to work there. And when the boss came back, he, the brother uh, probably didn't talk to him for about a year. And just a few days ago, he started asking questions because... Uh, you know, we all know in our hearts that the Lord's going to come back soon. And it's this brought my husband to tears because this is what he has been praying for for 13 years. Amen. And, and this man is open to hearing Amen. about the gospel. Amen. And, and the word says that Muslims will come to Christ. Absolutely. So my husband is just, you know, on cloud nine. He's so excited because now, after all this enmity between between him and Ahmed, there's an open door. Isn't that great? We will be praying. People are watching. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be praying. But look at look, look at how he continued to keep on keeping on. It's 13 years. It wasn't 13 days. It wasn't 13 months. Right? It was 13 years. And he kept looking to the Lord, looking to the Lord, looking to the Lord. Right? And, and God is bringing him to that. Right? God is bringing the Muslim to him. Now, I mean, how sweet is that? Right? I mean, this chapter, you know, is about a Gentile king and then his testimony about how God changed his heart. 
right? Right, uh, about his testimony, about how God changed his heart, right? And then, and then how he shares that testimony. And our testimony, just like your husband, he shares all the time, okay? You guys, a testimony shows how you've gone through the test, okay? Usually we just want to do the moanies about it, right? Oh, then this, and then that, and then that. No, but it's we, how we've gone through that, this, and then this is how God's delivered us. This is who we are. This is who we are in Him, and people watch. People watch, right? And so what happens is, is Nebuchadnezzar is a good example of a witness. He's a good example of a witness. One who relates what he has seen and experienced is a witness. That's what we are. We're a witness for Jesus Christ. What we have seen, what we have experienced. Seen through our eyes of faith, right? And what we have experienced. We're a witness. And Nebuchadnezzar was a tremendous witness, right? And then he thought it was good in verse 1 and 2 and 3 that to declare. So he was declaring, right? Because it's good to declare, just like your husband. You need to declare, you know, Satan loves when we're silent. He just thinks that's the greatest. When you're prompted and the Holy Spirit's like, you know, share. Go ahead and share this, this. Um, I had an opportunity to go to Chicago last Saturday with a friend. Um, in fact, we jumped on the bus from the Y here and we went uh, uh, all day. And, and I had purposely bought um, $5 McDonald's um, coupons or gift cards so that I could give it to the homeless. And so I walked around and stuff. So And I always put on there that Jesus loves you and put on scripture and all kinds of stuff and everything. And so... And so what happens is, is, as we're walking along, there was this um, woman sitting on the side. And, I mean, you guys, it was, so, it was 56 degrees, and it was packed to the gills. I mean, you were walking like this on the, on the uh, uh, sidewalks. It was so jammed. And there was this lady sitting, and she had a little baby, and then on the, she had a little sign that she was homeless. And, and, this, and, and, so, um, and so I said, oh, excuse me, I want to So I jostled over and got next to her and, and got ne- down next to her and everything. And, and it said, God bless you on there. And so I was able to share... Um, I said, you know what? Jesus loves you so much. I said, I don't know your circumstances. I don't know what's going on. I said, but he has his best for you. I said, I hope that this will be way more than, than just this $5. You know, I, I, and I'm praying that you know, God will you know, bring you out of this place. And so I was able to pray over her and, and share with her and stuff. And, and so she just started weeping. She just started tearing up you know, with her little kid. And, and you know, it would be very easy. This is not about me. It would have been very easy for me to just walk by her. It would have been just really easy for me not to open my mouth or just slip her the five bucks. But we need to declare. We need to declare how good he is, how right he is. You know, and, 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 and put it into the other person. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, look at all the stuff he declared before. But now he's declaring, huh, this is the most high God. Generation to generation. I mean, all I have... I mean, now he's declaring because now he knows. So you need to declare. Satan absolutely loves to keep us silent. He thinks that's great. I love to do exactly the opposite of what he thinks is great. Don't you? It's like, you know what? In your face. Just in your face, right? There's no way. There's no way. I live above the line. There is absolutely no way. And you guys, we give Satan way more, way more credit than he ever does because it's fallen world stuff that we're walking through. Or it's flesh. Usually it's our flesh that we don't have tamed, that we don't have crucified with Christ. That's usually what happens. Satan can only be one place at one time. His minions can be around, but he can only be one place at one time. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. He's none of those. And Jesus has already defeated the enemy. Therefore, the Holy Spirit in us, he that's in us, is greater than he that's in the world. Don't even give him any, any due. Don't even say his name. Don't even, you know, unless you're rebuking him. 
Don't, don't even go there. Don't even go there. Because then you're reacting to him. Instead of acting rightly. You need to act and act and act. And guess what? He'll skedaddle from you because you say the name of Jesus. Wait! He's gone. He's gone. He has to be. He has to be. And so when you see time and time and time again, where someone like Nebuchadnezzar, where, I mean, read extra biblical stuff, what a horrific man he was. God got all of his heart. You know why? Because of Daniel, because of a witness that stood, that stood for what's right, that did the next right thing, was just following after God because he purposed in his heart. And you and I are reading about it just because these guys purposed in their heart. They weren't any big shots. They were like you and me. They purposed in their heart. And God used them to change the world. Change the world. That's how we are to be. Margot, can I read this from Jeremiah? Absolutely. One of my favorite verses, it's from Jeremiah 20, verse 9. But if I say I will not mention him or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in, indeed I cannot. That's Amen. Say that, where's that again, honey? Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Read it again, please. But if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Amen. Amen. Right? We're supposed to be filled up to overflowing. That's what that is, Jeremiah 20, verse 9. I mean, that's what it is. Filled up to overflowing where you can't help but speak the name of Jesus. You can't help but want to help the next person, right? You can't help. And, and meanwhile, Nebuchadnezzar is, thinks he's flourishing, right? He's at rest in his house, right? He thinks he's flourishing, okay? And he thinks he's at peace, right? And it's a false peace of the ungodly. That's a false peace of the ungodly. When they, you know, put everything else around them. When you read about Hollywood stars, all this kind of stuff, and you're like, oh, what? That happened? What? It's because of the false peace. Of the ungodly. They're trying to fill that empty hole with everything other than God. And it's a false peace of the ungodly, right? And God will soon shake him from his false security. Huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, I just want to show I just want I want you to know, Nebby, I love you so much that you can repent now. You can repent all during this year. Now would be a good time. Because I love you. And I'm a self revealing God and I'm letting you, but if you do not this is what's going to happen. You guys, that's what pride is. And, and you will continue to go, yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. I see it. Wait. Before the words come out of your mouth, there he was. Like feathers on his back, claws, right? Eating grass for seven years. Are you serious? That's what it took to humble him? You don't need to be there. You don't need to be there. And so, you know, God shook him from his false security. And God knew that's, that's what it would take to shake him from his false security. Right? And so, and so what happens is, um, with the content of this dream, right? The, fall, the rise and the fall of, this, of the great tree, right? Uh, the tree in Nebuchadnezzar's life, okay, as Nebuchadnezzar's um, dream, it was noted for its size. Right, it was noted for its strength. It's noted for its prominence. Noted for its beauty, fruit, and shelter. Do you notice how God, in this dream, allowed Nebuchadnezzar to see his kingdom as that? Don't you think that's gracious? 
the way that he oppressed people, the way that this, this, this. But do you, are you are you seeing what God does? He's such a gracious God. He's so compassionate. He loves you so much. He's so compassionate. But what he does is, just like when he speaks to the churches in Revelation, he always builds them up first. He, okay, here is the way we go. Remember how we studied that, Chris? Okay, here it is. And this is what you're doing right. Good job, church. Good job, church. Good job, church. Oh, but in this area, not so much. In this area, not so much. This area, you, you need a little constructive criticism. You need to make this right. And then when you do... Good job. That's always how he approaches. Always how he approaches. And that's how he approached Nebuchadnezzar. Even in his dream. Even in his dream. He says, look at This is this huge tree. Strength, size, prominence, beauty, fruit. fruit. I mean, look at And then, of course, then an angel... An angel comes and, and, and describes the fate of the tree, right? And he notes the tree is going to be what? Whacked off. Whacked off. <laughs> chopped down. It's going to be chopped down, right? And it will lose its what? Size, size, strength, prominence, beauty, fruit, shelter. Okay, and then he says the trees represented uh, represents a man who will be changed and given the heart of a what? Beast. Giving a heart of a beast. Okay, now, the reason that, and he tells him, the reason that he's going to be given the heart of a beast that's going to be chopped down, it was in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. See, there's always a reason. There's always a reason. There's always a bigger glory reason. Okay? It's always for your good. Nebuchadnezzar's good, but it's always for his glory. So it was for Nebuchadnezzar's good that this would happen so that he would come to know the most living God, no matter what it takes. But it's also always for his glory, for the bigger picture, in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. Okay, so, so you know, Nebuchadnezzar heard these words in his dream, and in light of that, it's very obvious that he's understanding there's going to be some humbling of this great king going on. I mean, this is not a hard dream to interpret. I mean, even before you read the interpretation, okay, you're like, uh oh, uh oh, sounds like Nebi. Uh, uh oh, right? Sounds like King Nebuchadnezzar. This is not a good thing, right? I mean, you could just see, okay, the tree, whoa, okay, and then you're like, whoa, right? This is not looking good. This is not looking good, okay? And so, and so, most kings in ancient days, so you know, um, they wanted to believe that they ruled instead of God. They really did. I mean, I mean, they, they, I mean. And, and I'm not saying anything is different now, okay? Because we all, you know, we all have that ugly pride flesh stuff. Okay, I'm not saying anything different now. But but back in the ancient days, it was it was more of a a um, pomp and circumstance kind of a huge huge deal because they were a monarch, okay? And so and so they really, you know, the Assyrian and Babylonian kings thought of themselves as rulers over all the earth. And when we read all of those different inscriptions that I shared with you on the different uh, pathways in Babylonia and in the palace and everything, they were all inscriptions describing who? Me, the king. How great I am, right? And, and how everybody bowed down to me, okay? And so they were, they were in, the, in, the, in the tradition and in the practice of, of I'm it, you're not. And God goes, only for a time. Only for a time. You haven't looked at me yet, and I want you to look up at heaven only for a time. And that's because I'm a, a loving, long-suffering God. 
Only for a time. Ladies, it's always only for a time. Oh, only for a time. And like, I, did, who shared about yielding? Right away, yielding quick. Thanks, thanks, sweetie. And when so when you yield quickly, right? When you yield quickly, you can see where you've got that humble heart. You've got that dependence on Him, knowing that from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Knowing that you're made in His image, knowing that you are His, knowing that you want to please Him, knowing that you want to do the next right thing. You yield quickly, okay? And and so and, and Nebuchadnezzar, of course, you know, had not ever, ever, ever done that. And so he says, you know, his goons couldn't interpret it. So then he brings in Daniel, says, Daniel, you interpret it, okay? And and you know, Nebuchadnezzar knew he could get an honest answer, right? From Daniel, he knew that. He knew he'd get an honest answer from from um, from Daniel. And quite frankly, don't you think Nebi might have had just a little bit of an inkling what this dream meant? Don't you think? I mean, he wasn't an idiot. Right? I mean, don't you think? I mean, that, and he's had other dreams before, and the gold was his head, and then the silver, and then they were all the different countries. I mean, it's been 20 years. I mean, he, he was on to this, right? And so, and so Daniel, even when the truth was hard to bear, Daniel shared it. Even when the truth was hard to bear, okay? And, and here's the deal. Ladies, confrontation is not a dirty word, okay? He needed to share the truth in love, yeah. in grace. He didn't meander around the bush. He didn't say, well, you know, I'm thinking perhaps the Lord wants to work on your humility a little bit. You know, Nebby, or I'm thinking maybe you should go to a humbleness seminar or something, right? I mean, you know, maybe you should go and, and listen to a motivational speaker on, you know, how not to have anger problems. Or, right? He doesn't say any of that. He looks him straight in the face and says, what? That's you, O King. He looks him straight in the face, just like Nathan did to David when he when he said, uh, "You're you're the one who's sinning." Best friend of David, and he comes up and he says, uh, "You're the one who who did this." And and so Daniel, that's why Daniel, you, it hurt him because he knew that this is what it was, and he had to look at the king and realize that this is what God was going to take him through to bring him to humility. But. The only reason he does that is because he loves him and wants to spend eternity with him because he's going to come to know him. Right? That's the big picture. That's the big picture. And so, and so he had a godly confrontation with him. He had a godly confrontation. And you know, Daniel applies that point to him without ambiguity. And ladies, that is the kindest thing you can do. The kindest thing you can do, right? You know, instead of reaching just for a general point, you go and you share, hey, you know what? This is the way to walk. And now walk in it. Really? This is you, O King. And that's why he was so disturbed. He was so disturbed. You know, you tell the truth in love. Ephesians 4, 15 through 25. Uh, read that this week. You share and you tell the truth in love, right? Because because this is the way to walk. This, this is the only way that you're going to be, that person is going to be changed is when you don't beat around the bush with the situation, but you trust that God's already gone before you. You trust in the unseen. The Holy Spirit's already on the scene before you are and you share the truth in love. Right, it's a godly confrontation, and then you restore the person. You restore the person because God just doesn't go, "Well, see ya, yeah, okay." No, you restore that person in gentleness. 
Galatians 6, 1 and on tells us you restore the person in gentleness. Right? In gentleness. Okay? So he says, you know what? It's you, O king. It, you know, it's you, O king. And I can just imagine his, his voice. I can imagine his body language. I can imagine everything about him. That's why Nebuchadnezzar is like, it's okay, Daniel. I mean, it's probably the most compassionate you've ever seen, Nebuchadnezzar. Right? And, and remember, this is before he comes to know the Most High God. But God's been working, right? He's on the scene all the time. He's been working, going after Nebi. Right? He's been going after him, going after him. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar's been watching. He's been watching. He's been seeing unprecedented miracles. He's been seeing Most High God revealed in Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. Time and time and time and time again. And that's what's going to happen, ladies, in your life around you. People are going to come to know the Most High God because they're watching you. Or not. So when you need to confront them and you need to share, you know what? I love you so much that I want you to have a kingdom perspective instead of just this world. Let me just tell you my story and how God's changed me. Let me just just share. Or let me give you a book. Or let me, you know, come alongside. Or let me, you know, take you out to lunch or whatever. You need to be the one who can have that godly confrontation. Confrontation isn't a mean thing. It's a good word. We've taken that and used it in, in the wrong sense of the word because of how people confront people. But Jesus always confronted people. He was the main confronter of all confronters. He's like, oh, really? Well, here it is. Uh, just uh, you know, lay down your nuts and follow me. <laughs> That's it. Just follow me. I mean, it, it's like, no, uh, no, you know what? You're, no, no, you're sinning. Uh, you need to lay that down. <laughs> no, go and sin no more. I mean, really? Oh no, you don't have you. Don't, you uh, really? I need the water. Okay, thanks. But you know what? If you had the water, a uh, living water, you live forever. And uh, old woman at the well. Uh, by the way, um, no, you have been married five times. But the one you're living with, um, yeah, you're not married to that one right now. And so, but but you know, uh, go and sin no more. I forgive you. Uh, well, talk about confrontation. Godly confrontation, loving confrontation, right? Restoring in a spirit of gentleness. And what did that woman at the well do? Forgiven, baby. Went and told everybody. She didn't care that she was the biggest whore ever. She didn't care. Because you know why? She's forgiven. She was forgiven. She went and told everybody. She went and told the old people that she was with. I'm sure of it. And guess what? Revival broke out. Revival broke out. Ladies, that's what and who we are supposed to be. We're supposed to be that Daniel. Yeah, I want you to know. Um... When David said, it is you, O king, okay, just like in 2 Samuel when, you know, Nathan said to King David, you are the man. Then Daniel said, you know, this is what's going to happen to you. You know, you're going to drive you away from men. You're going to make you eat grass like oxen. What you with the dew of heaven, okay. When Daniel was explaining this to Nebuchadnezzar, I don't think Nebuchadnezzar was taking this literally. Because look at all the metaphors before. Look at all the analogies. Look at all the different stuff all the time, right? Think about that, right? And then he's thinking, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, you know, here I am, big, big Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm going to be, right? I don't think he's taking this literally, okay? And, and how, just how literally it would be fulfilled. 
And then he says, after you come to know that heaven, heaven rules, right? That's the, that's the key, right? After you acknowledge that heaven rules, okay? You guys, that's God's intended purpose for Nebuchadnezzar. Before he even had to go through all of his stuff. That's God's intended purpose for us. To know that heaven rules. That God is sovereign. That he has a plan. That he has his best plan for you. That you are to walk with him. Right? That you're holding on to his hand and he's not going to take you anywhere that daddy, you know, shouldn't take you. Right? That was always his intended purpose. And he will do whatever he needs to do to get you to that place. Because he loves you. Okay? The king could have avoided this humiliating fate if he would have genuinely humbled himself. Now, he could have avoided all those seven years if he would have genuinely acknowledged heaven and humbled himself. Now, ask yourself, where are you in that? Are you acknowledging him now? I don't mean just coming to him like Nebuchadnezzar needed to come to him. I mean in other areas of your life. Because, you know, once you come to him, then he just wants to conform you all the time to the likeness of his son. Right? Then it's like, oh, good, you're in heaven. Excellent, great, I see you seated already. You're seated up in the heavenlies already. Now let's get to work. Let's get to work. Come on. This part, this part, this part. Ooh, that's got to go, Margo. This got to go. This got to be up. You must decrease. I must increase. Let's go. Right? And then you're like, whoo. Okay, Lord, let's go. Right? It's continual humbling. It's continual humbling. It's the next right thing. Doing the next right thing, guess what? It's humbling. It's humbling because you know what? You know that somebody's in control. You want to live surrendered unto his control. Right? It's the next right thing. The next right thing. So you live with that humble heart. So you don't have to be continually rescued into the circle of blessing. Because when you go out of it, he has to go on that rescue mission. Er, 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 er. Go get go get Celeste. Go get Celeste. Bring her back in. Bring her back in because I love her. There we go. There she is. Excellent. There she is. Excellent. Right? That's how we're to walk. It just doesn't stop with us coming to know Jesus. And we've got heaven fire insurance. Okay? That isn't it. Right? You know, he doesn't want you to know enough. He doesn't want you to know God enough just to make it to heaven. That's not why he saved you. That's the plunder and spoils. That's our eternal life. That's forever and ever that we're going to enjoy before the presence of the king. He wants you to be changed now. Now. Walk now. Walk now. Walk humbly now before the king so that others will come to know him. He wants you to be that Daniel, that Shadrach, that Meshach, that Abednego. Now. Humble now so you can walk before him and join the presence of the king. Kingdom perspective. Living for the day, not today. Right? Living above the line. That's how we are to walk. No matter what comes in. So I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you this week that, that you would know in, in your areas that he has been speaking to you. I know sometimes you just shut him up. You're like, no, this. In what areas it is that you would let heaven rule in that area. Write him down. Write him down. Give him to him. If you have to give him to him every single day, give him to him. Let heaven rule in that area. It could be your tongue. It could be bitterness. It could be unforgiveness. It could be 
Lack of trust, lack of faith. I don't know what it is. But heaven needs to rule in that area. In that area, okay? And so, and then secondly, I want to challenge you this week. Godly confrontation. Godly confrontation, okay? Where, where um, you share the truth in love, that you pray for an opportunity, you pray for an opportunity, you pray for an opportunity, and you share truth in love, and you say, you know what? It's you, O King. It's you, O King. But God wants to restore you to this point. Now, don't go out and grab people and be obnoxious for Jesus and say, you know, Margot said to do this. That's not true. Okay? That is not true. It is to, it, as God gives you, yeah, exactly. As God gives you with, with people in your life, your family, your friends, coworkers, whatever, if there's some, just allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through you so that you don't, you know, when, when you're called to speak aloud, like Daniel was, speak aloud. Proclaim. Proclaim. Don't don't hide. Don't hide. Yes, sweetheart. I love how he says it, my Lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. Look how sweetly he begins that oh only this thing happened to you. Exactly. But it would happen to those who hate you, which you can obviously see he does not, right? Because there's a there's a genuine love there for him, the compassion of, of Christ in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to challenge you this week for that. Write him down. Write them down. Journal them. Write them down. Um, next week we're, get, we're going to go into um, um, uh, about repentance, okay? Because, because uh, in verses 27 on, Daniel, you know, a good preacher Daniel is, he presses through the application. Every good preacher is going to press through an application, right? Because we don't read the Bible to become what? Smarter sinners, Right? You need the application. Every good preacher is going to push through an application, okay? And the application is repent before it's too late. Repent before it's too late. So we're going to go through, um, we're going to go through the repentance area and then uh, the fulfillment of that dream, okay? Isn't Daniel exciting? Isn't it just great? Isn't Daniel, doesn't it just come alive? Just, just boom, boom, boom. It's not an old, stodgy story that's all apocalyptic and this, the, you know, where you're just like downloading, downloading. It's the application. It's who we are to be. We're supposed to be a Daniel, right? Who wants to close in prayer? Somebody's just itching to close in prayer. I just know it. Okay, maybe not itching, but some, maybe somebody's getting an inkling that they're supposed to close in prayer. Thank you, sweetheart.